0: Hello, welcome to Honest Unearthing, and today's guest is one of the most amazing people I've had the pleasure of meeting, and we're all so lucky to learn more about their life. Hi.
1: I don't know how to start after that. It's like way too, like, kind of an entrance.
0: (laughs) Well... Let's see, the things that I think are so cool about you is number one, you're the most experienced climber that I've had the pleasure of meeting.
1: Been climbing a long time, that's for sure. Just hit twenty-two years. Wow. Still going strong.
0: So what got you into climbing in the first place?
1: Um when I was in my early teenage years, an older gentleman in the community saw that I was struggling just with life and said, Hey, I have something I want to show you and handed me a trad rack and took me to the mountains.
0: You started with trad?
1: I led a trad route my first day ever climbing.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: But things were different back then too though. (laughs) Like that
0: was (laughs)
1: kinda like uh, that was a different time in climbing. That was just kind of the way people got into it.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Where did you go climbing?
1: That was in City of Rocks in Idaho.
0: Awesome, so you're from Idaho?
1: I am from Idaho, from southern Idaho. If you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, that's where I'm from.
0: Oh my gosh, that's funny. (laughs) I wish
1: I was kidding, but I'm not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what's some of the most amazing climbs you've been on?
1: I think amazing just is very, you know, dependent on who's, you know, being asked. Because that can be great, it can be just, Rad. I mean, for me, like I, I, climb for aesthetic. So I just love beautiful routes. Um, I mean, Eldorado Canyon here in Colorado is my absolute go-to at all times for climbing. Um, and like the Naked Edge, which is just fantastic. Um, you know, climbs on El Cap are all fantastic, just exposed and beautiful. I love aesthetic climbing. I love climbing in uh, Northern Wales in the UK, for for the aesthetic. It's, like, it's it, it just looks like it looks like a glass countertop laid on its side, it's just beautiful and shiny and super fun. So I, I think it just depends, you know. What's the
0: most difficult climb that you've ever done?
1: Um, yeah, so some of the hardest climbs I've ever done um, were in the 514 range, like 514 BC is the hardest I've ever climbed, um, sport like sport climbing wise.
0: So, I imagine that's physically very challenging, but what sort of mental preparation do you have to go to, like the mental training that you need in order to do something that challenging?
1: Um, It's mostly, it really is mostly physical, um, because, you know, just having to get your fingers strong enough to hold on to, you know, essentially like imagine gluing a credit card to a wall, and that's your crimp you're holding on to right um, so being able to literally just train your fingers train your tendons to hold on to something that small is the challenge um, and then just ha- how to move your body how to position body position your weight into certain holds um, is, is this own challenge of itself I mean the mental aspect For me, and I realized that, you know, this isn't the same for everybody, but but for me, the mental side always came easy. It was the physical side that was a lot harder for me. Um, And maybe it's just because I learned trad right out the gate, but like I never had like the fear factor. It was always just go for it, whatever. Um, But the physical side came really slowly.
0: That's really fascinating. Could you tell us a little bit more about what training you've
1: done? Yeah, um, it really, like, that's all over the place. It depends, like, on the time. Like, there's a lot of hangboarding involved. Um, Like, fingertips are what need to be strengthened. Tendons need to be strengthened. But then just, like, you're just staying very lean um, in your body mass. And then um, just training your fingers to be as strong as fucking possible, honestly, um, is kind of the biggest thing. Um, Now, for that, it's just just repetition just get after it like most people I honestly believe will be able to climb you know 513 without really ever doing any specific or significant training but once you want to get past that like barrier you have to train and you have to you have to get strong literally you have to get strong especially fingers
0: okay so I see there's definitely a large physical component but what goes through your mind when
1: you're on the wall. It's just like, please don't fall. Um, cause you're like, you just want to send it. Like especially when you're doing that kind of stuff. And it just depends like, cause it's been a lot of years since I was like climbing at my peak or climbing those really hard routes. And um, I just kind of lost the desire to to, to to train that hard, to push that hard. I just have a lot more fun now, just going out and having fun. And just, um, I love taking newer climbers up. I love just kind of getting after it more for the fun of it than for the difficulty of it. And uh, yeah, I love it. I don't know.
0: How do you balance the rest of your life with your climbing life?
1: I don't think I'll ever stop being a climber. Um, My goal is to climb 5'10 till I die. If I can climb 510 until a ripe old age, I think I'll have succeeded. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I have a family now, and you know, getting my kids into it um, is definitely kind of a goal, and be able to see, you know, them prosper. If they're, you know, obviously if they're interested, I'm not gonna, you know, force my kids to climb or anything. But if they're interested, you know, be able to watch that growth, that same like love and passion I had. It'd be rad to see them take that on as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I imagine um, I saw a movie. I can't say what movie <laughs> uh, because this podcast is anonymous. But...
2: like what movie. No, I'm just <laughs> curious to... <laughs>
0: um... Where a famous climber, you know, dedicated his life, and then finally got to climb with his father, who was really famous, and kind of seeing that in the film was, you
1: know. Okay, what movie that is? I'm like, mmm. Anyway, gotcha. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. I got it. I got it. <laughs> it's funny because I've climbed with both those climbers, father and son,
0: really? and they're both rad. Oh my god. Yeah. So.
1: Father's my favorite though.
0: Our guest at this podcast has gotten to climb with a lot of very famous climbers, which is super inspiring in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. In some
1: ways. I think, I I, I I don't know, like, I think if you just spend enough time in any sport or spend enough time, like, I don't know, like, after over two decades of climbing, it's just, I've just met a lot of people and weaseled my way into a lot of, you know, fun groups and be able to climb with a lot of cool people. I think, like, climbing is special in that way too in that we all use the same crag. So, like, it's pretty easy to go and climb next to some pro climber, get to know them, and then go climbing with them. Where, like, in basketball, like, you know, know, you're not gonna go out and meet the most famous basketball, you know, the most famous basketball player in your local court and then be best friends with them. It just doesn't really happen that way. But in climbing, we, we just have that opportunity in a lot, in a lot better ways, which is kind of cool.
0: Have you done any first ascents?
1: Um, I have about 800 FAs, um, mostly trad, um, mo- mostly trad, but probably 200 bolted or so. Um, a, a lot in Arizona, um, a lot here in Colorado.
0: Are you really nervous when you're doing a first descent?
1: Not typically, um, typically it's just kind of, could be because you're just up, up on the wall having fun. And it depends how you're doing it too. If, if you're doing like a trad route, ground up, you know, it can definitely be spicy. Because um, you just don't know what you're getting into, so you don't know if it all of a sudden you know you know your crack's is going to peter out or something. but. Um, especially when you're bolting routes, you know, usually you can get up and, like, top or solo the route or something and be able to, like, see if it'll if, if even go before you bolt it. But obviously, you know, if, if you want to go up go, go, like, with the old school, the old school, like, mentality of just, you know, everything's ground up no matter what, then yeah, it's going to be scary. It's going to be spicy for sure. But, that, but that's why those old timers are just absolute badasses and we're not, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: So, have you ever had a moment during a really difficult time or climb Mm. where you had the thought, "Oh my God, I never want to climb again"?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. But they've been like weird, like reasonings. Like, I don't know. Like, I remember one time we spent like me and my buddy spent like 16 hours on the wall, and we'd like he he broke his water bladder at the base of the route. It was a huge route, and we ended up like dehydrated and, like, like honestly scared because we were like, oh shit, we still have like you know 800 feet of like 512 climbing to do, and we're completely out of water, completely dehydrated. We've been in the sun all day, and ended up being like, yeah, we ended up like you know you know topping the wall out after midnight, and that was I was like you know maybe we can just not do this for a while, and. uh, (laughs) You know, I'm going to go home and take a nap and a shower and call it a day and we did we, we, we both like took a week off we were just like we just need a break from that because that was a bit much yeah and, and I was here in Colorado too
0: has there been any uh, funny instances where you've been up on the wall and maybe someone drops something that you need and you just need to figure out what to do
1: yeah I mean I, I, I've, I've seen a lot of like weird things happen, like funny, and then just like gross, um, but like funny, like I remember we were doing a route, me and my buddy, and we were out in El Dorado, and uh, I was like, you know, it was like this huge traversing pitch, and I was looking over at him, he was at the he was, he, he was at the anchor, he just got in there, and I saw him unclip something from his harness, and then something just go flying through the air, and it was definitely his gree-gree, and I was like, well that sucks for you. Um, <laughs> you better figure this out real quick. Um, and it, I mean, it was fine and all. It was just kind of funny, but then uh, I mean, we we ended up finding it um, that, that that afternoon, uh, which was kind of funny too. But like, uh, I've I've seen like not so funny things where you're like on the like I don't know. I've been on like El Capitan, and like someone's like pissing off their portal ledge, and it's just like raining down on us. I'm, like that's not cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's not near as not near as funny. But we're like, come on, man, that ain't cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of funny, but.
0: Can you tell the the Nalgene story?
1: Oh, just the recent one in Red Rock? So luckily I had nothing to do with that, but um, (laughs) I just heard about it a lot. Um, Epinephrine in Red Rocks is a really famous route, and um, just recently a guy had taken a crap in his Nalgene and hooked it (laughs) to his harness, and somehow it, like, disconnected, and (laughs) the first 500 feet of the route, is all chimney. Just wide chimney, and the bottle came off and exploded down <laughs> the chimneys. So there was just shit everywhere, which is kind of funny but also kind of gross. They're like,
0: oh shit! <laughs> literally,
1: literally, oh shit! And it's not like you know, you know, it's not like Red Rock Canyon gets a whole bunch of rain to wash all the shit away.
0: <laughs> but yeah. So I'm just curious. You've met a lot of climbers Mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah. Can you generalize any characteristic of climbers? Like, are they, do they typically enjoy something? Like, is there something that they often share? Like, what makes people in general want to start climbing? Is it
1: always unique or? I think, I think, um, like, one weird, like, just one trait I notice a lot is a lot of climbers have, like, some sort of mental health issue. Um, honest to God, like, pretty much every, like, climber I know has, you know, either trouble with depression or anxiety or there's always, like, something there. And I think it's, like, at least for me, it's a way to, like, um, I, fo- I, I, I hyper-focus on something, right? So it's pretty hard to be anxious or depressed when you're so focused on not dying. So it's, like, almost, like, I know, like, like like I'm you know I'm just speaking for myself now, but that puzzle, that puzzle solving, is what helps pull me out of my mind. I think it helps a lot of people in that same way. Um, not you know not to say I, um, everyone obviously, but it just seems to be kind of a driving factor for a lot of people. And like the way people get into climbing, is just varies all over the place. Um, you know, I just know a lot of people that you know went to a climbing gym for their birthday when they were five, and then they're like, okay, you know, now they're 20, and they want to go give it a try outside or something, which is cool, too. Um, you know, it, there's just so many different ways that people get into it.
0: So there's a lot of different ways that people can meditate, and the basic idea of meditation is to be in the moment, not really have a lot of thoughts, and a lot of times when I'm climbing, the only th- thing that you have the ability to think is, like you said, problem-solving, where's my foot, where's my mm-hmm. hand, am I back clipped, can I make it to the next bolt? If not, how should I fall? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what's some really gnarly falls that you've taken?
1: Yeah, I've taken some like really big ones, like intentionally and unintentionally. And, um, cause I don't know, like I'll, I'll pretty much do anything for a photo. So, you know, you know, if someone's like, hey, this fall, make a good photo. I'm like, okay, I'll just let go, I don't care. Um, I'm all about it. Um, so I've, I've taken some huge, gnarly, intentional falls, um, just for a cool photo. And then I've taken a bunch of just accidental ones, like that were just gnarly. Like I've taken some that, I, I, t- I took one out, out in Eldo. I, I ended up, like, getting into the wrong route um, by accident. Like, the route was, like, split halfway up the wall, and I went left, I was supposed to go right, and ended up taking, like, you know, it was, it was, it was like a 60-foot fall on a nut, and it was just, whoof spicy. Um, definitely, like, you know, you get that, like, oh, shit moment when you're like, this is not good. Um, but, I mean, it was safe, it was fine, but it was just scary. Uh, but I've, 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 I've taken quite a few, like, you know, in that like 20 to 25 foot range. that just ended up fine, but we're like, whew, that's a lot. Did you
0: retrieve that nut?
1: That, that nut is one with the wall. It is <laughs> um, still there as far as I know from what I've heard. It's still just there kicking it. Um, it I don't believe it'll it'll um, ever come out of that particular crack. And that's okay. They can have it. Eldo giveth and eldo taketh. Yeah. For sure, I've definitely lost some, lost some gear over the years. What do you do?
0: I would, wouldn't mind leaving gear if it meant, you know, getting down safe.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, gear's just gear, right? Like the right. whole point of it is to keep us alive. And if it's if it's done its job, then I don't really care either.
2: Right. Like sometimes
1: you know you just toss the gear to the wind and call it a day. Like it just you know it happens. Uh, gears, you know, gears. Able to be replaced, and you're not, so <laughs> at, at, at the end of the day, yeah, by, like, by all means, leave gear, it's fine.
0: When I was preparing to climb Capitol Peak, I bought a bunch of trad gear because I had no idea what I was getting into, <laughs> but then I returned it because I realized I didn't know how to place the trad gear <laughs> oh, <Lord>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it would. I mean, it would be better than nothing if yeah. we were in a situation where we had to do something. I will gladly sacrifice a cam oh, sure. to get down a cliff on a 14er. Yeah. Maybe a couple cams, actually.
1: Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> by, Yeah, like, by all means. Like, gear is just gear. I, I've still like never done done a 14er just to do a 14er. It just seems like so much work. Like, I don't know. I hear all these stories. That, of you like doing these big 14s, I'm like God, this sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know.
0: says the one climbing five fourteen.
1: But it's just different. Like, I don't know. Like the idea of like just being cold and hiking for eight hours to get to the top and turn around and go right back. I'm like, this just sounds shitty. <laughs> I just wanna I wanna be back at my couch by the end of the day and like just kicking it. This seems like a lot of work.
0: For me, it's like, I don't know if I can do this or not. And when I do do that, like, I have a newfound confidence Mm -hmm. that I carry with me in other places in my life. As well as there's a spiritual aspect of doing a meditation on top of a 14er. I, I feel like I have a lot more reach and gratitude. And, you know, you have to take that moment where you're like, I climbed up some really hard shit. Yeah. And now we gotta climb down.
1: That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. And see, like I feel that way more with like spicy stuff. Um, Yeah. With like, I love climbing dangerous routes. I'm known for climbing dangerous routes. Um, That's fine. We we can share. Uh, (laughs) uh, Like I'm like you know I've always been kind of known for my love of like of being scared. And so, like, I, I guess I, I, I get that. As, like, I can't really judge you because I get that same kind of like stoke from doing dangerous routes. So, like, you know, topping out some X rated or R rated route. Oh my goodness. Like, I just absolutely love that feeling.
0: Yeah, and then when you're at the top of the route, that first breath you take when you hook into the, your anchor. Oh, yeah.
1: And just that fine, like, okay, we get to live today. It's a good day.
0: <laughs> right. And um, so how does that carry into the rest of your life? And I'm particularly interested in like, you know, I assume you, you work a full-time job, mm-hmm. 40 hours, and then you go above and beyond in your hobbies where, you know, that takes a lot of, commitment and and how do you balance a full-time job with you know excelling in an extraordinary sport
1: yeah Well, also like don't get me wrong like when i was climbing 514 i had much more time on my hands than i do now um it's definitely harder now like having kids and working a you know adult job uh, where you're like well you know you can't just you know hop off real quick to go put down on a route, and they'll just understand. Um, yeah, I don't know, um, it's, it, it, it can be tough. But just kind of knowing what you want to do, knowing what your goals are, um, and just pushing toward that. Um,
0: so what's your opinion on going into more professional climbing role?
1: Like, like, like for me or just for anybody? For you. Well, so I was a professional climber um like did the whole sponsorships did that whole that whole road and honestly I hated it it just was not for me um like yeah I mean yeah I don't know it just wasn't for me like it took a lot of the fun out of it I climb for fun I climb to get scared I don't climb I don't want it to be a job um and it kind of just, like, you know, slowly, like, worked on me, like, when I was in it. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, sure, I'll take that sponsorship. That's kind of cool. You know, some free gear, a little bit of money, whatever. And then, you know, over time, it's like, oh, now I'm, like, having to do this and having to do that and show up with this function and do that. And it took a lot of the fun out of it for me personally. So, I actually, like, I pretty much, like, dropped all the sponsorships and walked away from it. And then just started, just I mean, yeah, I just pretty much just dropped it all and started climbing for myself. I just, I way more prefer just climbing for myself.
0: What's the industry like?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming it, I'm assuming it's changed. I mean, that was you know, 12 years ago or something, that I was doing all that. I mean, pro- yeah, probably like 2010 or something. Um, it's a long time, but. Um, yeah, I mean, at the time, it was just, you know, the old bro show. <laughs> um, just a bunch of old white dudes um, crotchety and talking about their their 656, which is cool. <laughs> That's all cool and all, but um, yeah, and it was definitely just like, you know, it was pretty, pretty much just always get better and post the best photos and they wanted the best photos and blah 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 and it's just I just don't really care that much I just want to have fun I want to go climb a route and if I don't want to climb her route I just don't want to climb the route like I don't want to get I don't want to be you know be, be told what to do I just want to go have fun.
0: So very quickly I'm going to explain to our listeners how the grades work so that they can understand so um, it branches off of like the classes um, so there's, like, class, you know, one through five, and class one is basically, you know, walking from your car to the parking lot, class two is basically, like, some uphill, class three is, like, three points of contact where, you know, you want to have one hand in both feet, class four is so steep you need probably two hands, uh, class five is going up, and... From there, like, I'd say, you know, 5'4 is still basically a scramble at some mm-hmm. point where you should have ropes, and then 5'13, 5'14, 5'15, I mean, that's kind of climbing in, in a ret at some point, right? You're
1: essentially, like, like the best way to, to describe that heart of climbing is just put a granite countertop on its side and try to hold on. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah. So like the, that whole scale is based off the Yosemite Decimal System, is what it's called. Um, oh. It was a scale created in, in Yosemite Valley to explain hiking trails, like how hard the hiking trails were. Um, and then yeah, so five five stood for technical climbing. It the 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 scale used to go from five zero to five ten. Five ten was the hardest thing in the world. Like that's how the scale was designed to be. But then when things started to get harder than that, they just had to keep the scale going. So now it's just, you know, a scale that just keeps adding on as it goes. So yeah, it's kind of cool. So like after 510, it starts splitting into uh, letter grades. So you have 510, A, B, C, and D, and then 511, A, B, C, and D, up to 515. 515C is currently the hardest thing in the world. 515D, I guess. I think silence is 515D.
0: Where's Silence?
1: Um, I want to say it's in Norway. Um, yeah, yeah, a, a climber put it up like two years ago, a year ago, and it was just kind of funny because he's the loudest climber on earth and he neighbors around Silence. But um, yeah, it's cool too. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to say it's in Norway.
0: So I was at one of the Cragging Classics, and mm-hmm. uh, the crag is, by the way, like the area of the wall that you climb in, and somebody mentioned that there's like been an effort to rename routes correct Um, could you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah sure Um, so it really started with the whole me Too movement Um, and they were going to route developers um, and any name that was deemed offensive or just needed to be changed for you know insert reason here Um, they would ask if it was you know they they would ask for the ability to change the name, or, or like if you go online and look them up, it'll just say redacted um, uh, instead of having the name anymore. Um, so, yeah, I was actually like, I remember um, Arizona did a giant like meeting and it was like, hey, we're gonna get all like the main route developers together and have this zoom call. This was right at the beginning of COVID, we're gonna have we're, we're gonna do the uh, do this zoom call and kind of call people out on their routes. And not so much call them out, but just like, we need to change this name, that name, that name, um, and give the route developers like first choice to change the name, um, which is cool. And I was like, I I, I was on the call, and luckily didn't have a single route called out, so I was good to go. But um, because I've never, you know, I've always just kept my routes to like the names of the area. Like for instance, there's one uh, area in, in in Arizona where everything is based off. You know, all the names of the routes are based off names of like of like obscure points in the human body. So like I call like one of my routes uh, dermatome, which is like the connective tissue between your ribs and like the and, like your rib bones. Like super weird. Like it, yeah. Like I don't know. I'm just I've never been one for naming. Like I don't know offensively, I suppose. Um,
0: I really admire that, and I'm glad that there's been an effort to change things because um, I've, I've heard from a lot of non-climbers and personally experienced some things related to, I mean, obviously the group that we climb with is exceptionally welcoming to new climbers, mm. but um, there are some who have sort of an elitist you know perspective oh, for sure a bit exclusive not totally supportive of one another yeah and I was just wondering if you've seen a lot of that or if you've seen changes you know from your experience
1: yeah oh for sure um, even especially over the past like 10 years um, uh, like being a queer individual in the climbing community 20 years ago, um, you know, I, I, I got many different reactions getting into, you know, into climbing groups and um, just very different, very looked at very differently.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then starting about 10 years ago, like I, I, I think just with like the social change in conscience of like, you know, of America in general that, um, yeah, it, 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 it changed in our little, you know, clicky community as well. Um, there, was de- there was definitely, there still is a lot of elitism and um, you know, that group that we climb with, like when me and the co-host started that group, we started it because we wanted to be climbing with, we wanted to be helping people out. Um, you know, I've been climbing for a very long time. The other individuals have been climbing a little while and, we're able to give support and help in ways that others can't, well, or you know, that the newer climber wouldn't have otherwise. So essentially, like back when I started climbing, mentorship was huge. Um, that's how you got into climbing, was you were mentored into climbing. Nowadays, just with the absolute sheer number of climbers, that's pretty much impossible to do. So if we have a group setting like that, I can generally mentor, you know, like just not, you know, like one-on-one mentor, but I can generally mentor a group of people and help them out and help help guide them toward the right ethics and the right, you know, the right safety and whatever. That's kind of where the whole, the whole group came from.
0: That's incredibly generous of you and we're all short of time and energy and... <laughs> Who needs it? <laughs> I you know we can acknowledge that climbing and mountaineering is inherently dangerous.
1: It, it, isn't it great? It is. I love
0: it's it. so fun. It's so fun. And having people who have done them give you advice on what to do and what not to do is for sure is very What's well, imperative? It, it's imperative. It is. Yeah.
1: Um you know, that's just, not having a mentor, like, you you, you can only learn so much on YouTube, you know, <laughs> um, or from just reading some book you picked up, um, you know, you can read Freedom of the Hills all you want, but until you got, you know, go out there and experience it and get after it yourself, um, your cat's going after your little thing there, and it's making me laugh, oh this little goodness. thing, right, here, the little light there, yes. it's like, oh my god, yes, and I love that, it's hilarious, um, but yeah, I mean, until you have the experience, you, you don't you know, even put it into practice yet, and that really is a huge difference. Um, being on the rock, spending, spending time on a wall makes a huge difference, and um, yeah, like, in, like, and first, in like, you know, even like saying it's generous, it's really not because it's it's it should be expected. Because I was mentored, I had someone take me under their wing 100%, teach me everything, spent years along my side, showing me thing after thing after thing and teaching me all these little tricks and adding things, you know, adding arrows to my quiver, so to speak. I, I used to have a friend that always said that. They would say every new thing with climbing you learn when you get on a route that you need that information, you, you know, you have that in your quiver where you didn't before. And it would be, you know, pretty, pretty fucked up of me to say, well, you know, thanks for that gift you've given me. I'm not going to help anybody now. Like, it's pretty asinine. Um, I think any of us that had that help and had that mentorship, we owe it to our community to give that back, to some extent. You know, um, yeah, you know, I'm not saying that everyone has to go out there and you know be a guide and do whatever, but um, but at, at the same time, though, like, why not give back to your community that you love if you truly love it? I do, so.
0: See, this is why I want to talk a little bit more about who you are. Oh, Lord. Because we briefly touched on some of the amazing accomplishments you've had. But I just kind of want our listeners to, you know, know who you are as well. And, you know, something I like to talk about on this podcast is just, you know, your college experience.
1: That's a... do you want the stuff leading up to college? Or just the college sure. experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, all of it. It makes Thanks. it
1: way more interesting if I tell you the backstory story leading into college.
0: Yeah, like, let's do it. Oh God, here
1: we go. It's a good thing this is anonymous. Let's go. Okay, so raised in a Mormon cult in Idaho. Party on. That's where all the cool kids hang out. Um, like truly like hoarders, um, you know, buried guns in the backyard so the government couldn't come take them like some pretty crazy shit, and then um, they didn't believe in education, so I never went to school, um, ever. Not even like not homeschooled, like I didn't go to school at all. Um, I came out as LGBT when I was 16, and was removed from my community forcibly, and um, ended up homeless for a couple years, and having no education at all, I lied my way into college. Um, I forged a high school diploma, and lied my way into school, um, yeah. Got a got a four-year degree, and uh, <laughs> got and got a big person job. Um, yeah, definitely makes it more interesting when you tell some of, some some of, some of the backstory. Oh
0: yeah! Oh my gosh, um, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, it, it was the whole thing. Um, hope my uh, alma mater isn't listening. Um, that's, all I, that's all I need. Like, give us that back. You lied. Um,
0: well, I mean, you faced a lot of adversity and you overcame hmm. that. And, I mean, that sounds more difficult than a 5'15".
1: Oh, for sure. Like, you know, like being raised in that way essentially, you know, leaves you not prepared for anything in life at all. Not even, I mean, literally nothing. Because, um, you know, you're not, you don't learn social behavior because you're always secluded. Um, you know, this is back with, like, Ruby Ridge, which you're probably, you know, too young to even know even know what that, what that uh, reference is. But, um, yeah, like, it was just, like, in this, like, prepper cult, you know, that was their, like, you know, their 9-11. Like, I don't know how to word it, but it was their, like, bright star, you know, that set them off and I was a kid during that. So Ruby Ridge, just for some backstory, it happened in northern Idaho and um, long story short there was these, like, there was, like, this rancher and his family, um, they were in a cabin and they refused to school their kids and the government tried to come in and take the kids away to, like, get them proper schooling um, ended up uh, like, the government ended up or, like, like the family, like, locked themselves in the government ended up killing the guy's wife through a window with like a sniper and yeah this is like early 90s it was a whole thing and it sent my you know my little tribe at the time um just off the deep end um which not to say you know what the government did was great or whatever but these people were also lunatics um so it sent you know my little crew of mormons into an absolute freak out um and yeah, I don't know. Like, it's definitely like, it. It. it I guess back to the original statement was it, it. It doesn't. It doesn't prepare you for life. So being homeless at 16, not having an idea how to keep a normal, you know, a normal person job, having had no formal education whatsoever, so couldn't tell you math or basic English or anything, and then having to figure out life skills on the fly in a hurry it was definitely much harder than climbing 514.
0: <laughs> so, I'm so curious now. Go like, for it. Can you just kind of gloss over, you know, what beliefs that exist in Mormonism?
1: I mean, Mormonism... Is almost is it's, it, it's true it's, it's really a cult which I mean as a staunch atheist I believe all religion is but um, it's essentially a sect of Christianity um, it's actually in a lot of ways a little softer than Christianity because they don't believe in like an absolute hell and um, they believe in like you know they believe in in like three levels of heaven, and when you, if if you die a sinner, you go into the bottom layer, and you, you can work your way up up to the top even after death. So look look at that, we still have a chance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like Mormons are like I don't know, like I mean, you're pretty your your general like Christian theology is going to be a, is going to give you a general idea of Mormonism because it really is just a sect of Mormonism. It's all based on a lie. All based on fraud going back to like you know the 1800s and stuff um it's not a very old you know it's not a very old religion by so any means
0: as a secluded community mm-hmm. how did you support yourselves financially
1: um a lot i mean i don't know like uh, my my mom was into all the mlm schemes Um, was really into all that shit, that was cool like she did like Arbonne and Herbalife and all that shit back in the day, yeah, 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 all the pyramid scheme shit, she was really into that um, my stepdad who raised me was a a, a tractor salesman
0: interesting, yeah
1: um, so even though we lived secluded they did work in mind you, we're from a tiny area, but worked in the community, quote quote-unquote, around us, which was also very, just very small and full, and just full of like-minded people.
0: Is polygamy still practiced in Mormonism?
1: Yeah, but it really depends where you are. But yes, it is. Um, it, that's, you know, like um, FLDS, which is uh, Fundamentalism. Um, uh, fundamentalist uh, Latter-day Saints, which is just Fundamental Mormonism. There, there, there's, like, two big towns... That like fully support it still um, on the Arizona Utah border, um, that pretty much everyone is you know crazy polygamists still wearing you know jean skirts to their ankles like that whole thing, um, and then um, yeah but as a whole, Mormons don't support polygamy but it it, it definitely still exists huh. in small communities.
0: So when you decided to come out as queer. Mm-hmm. Um, had you had any sexual experiences? Yeah.
1: Yeah? Yeah. That's kind of why I came out, because, you know, they catch a fucking one dude, and all of a sudden, um, <laughs> people just lose their mind. Um, okay, so that's how <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Right Pretty much, yeah. Um,
0: Another Mormon? <laughs> yeah. Wow, Did tell you what? removed as well? Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we were, we were both actually g- g- giving um excommunication paperwork, Wow. Uh, yeah, it's like actually cut off from the church, like legally. Um,
0: so do you have a like a normal social security card and like... like... Yeah, yeah, okay. for
1: sure. Um, but my siblings don't. Um, mm. So I have like a birth certificate and all that, but I, I'm on the oldest child. My three, my three young, younger siblings don't, like they were never in the public system at all. Okay. So they have no, they have nothing. They have no, no no identification as far as this state's concerned. They don't exist.
0: So you were very fortunate that you. <laughs> yeah, I
1: just like, snuck in under the wire right. before they went off the deep end.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least you had some sort of identity yeah. to go into the real world with. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, that's a you know blessing.
1: Yeah. Compared to what my siblings got, I, I did all right, um, but they're they're all still in that though. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, last I heard.
0: Because when I hear excommunication paperwork, Mm. my mind immediately went to emancipation.
1: Well, I mean, that is pretty essentially involved because I was cut off from them. So, um, they never, like, I never had to get, like, legally emancipated because they never tried to fight me on anything. I just left and never went back.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: which is fine. Um.
0: Were you just in the wilderness?
1: No. Um, I moved to Vegas and lived out of my car, um, I met a friend, you know, met some friends there, and just crashed on the couch when need be, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: took showers there when need be, and got a job and worked there for a long time, and then went to uh, I went to college on the East Coast, um, and just packed up and moved there, and I was homeless there for about a year, for, for, for my first year of college, um, and then finally, you know, got got a, got a place with some friends and. Kind of figured out my social life a little bit from there. Um, definitely like took some getting used to, and it took people like understanding me a little bit. And I had to find the right people that were understanding that they weren't have to explain everything to me. Um, and 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 they were really cool about it though. And there's still things that I'm like I, I pick up all the time that I'm like I probably should have known that a long time ago, <laughs> um, which is fine. Like it, you know it's whatever. It's all it's all not important life stuff, but. Um, still just kind of funny
0: so what did you go to college for uh
1: music business My well so it's we it's a business degree with an emphasis in music um and then i have a marketing degree um yeah so both useful degrees and i put them to use um worked in the music industry for a while and that was super fun um before i got my my big person job um <laughs> i'll just keep wording i'll, I'll, I'll just keep saying that um but yeah, that was, it was super fun. Like I, I actually loved college. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm sure high school would have been fun too. I don't actually know. Um, but I assume it would have been fun. Um, shout out to the friend that helped me forge a, a high school diploma. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely... Like, yeah, college was good. College was good for me.
0: So there's basically a national crisis going on with paying back our student debt. And I'm just wondering, how did you pay your own way through college?
1: Well, it's, it's pretty easy to save money when you're homeless. So, like, because um, you don't have any overhead. Um, so, I, I mean, I worked full-time all the way through college. Um, kept a full-time job all the way through, actually with the company I'm currently at. Um, and never, just never really stopped, you know, again after it. And... Um, my my now spouse, like when I was out of college, um, I, I I came out of college only owing about five grand more, um, which is you know hugely beneficial, and because um, I I'd just been dumping all my money directly into that, um, but then my now spouse helped me pay off the last little bit, um, so we could start out kind of fresh and start off not in debt of any kind, and we, and we still try to live that way now. Works out pretty well.
0: So. Did you qualify for any sort of um, sponsorship, scholarships?
1: Um. Yeah, I, I definitely got some scholarships, um, but I couldn't do it off, like, educational, like, because I had nothing to base it off of. Yeah. Um, so I didn't even apply for those. But I definitely got, like, some financial aid, and I got some, you know, just apl- some, like, governmental grants and stuff. Yeah. Um and then even like just had some people sponsor me, where I was like, "Hey, so help," <laughs> and yeah. they and they did. So that was super rad.
0: Yeah, that is super rad. Mm-hmm. I'm, what was the price of college when when you went to college?
1: It was a lot. It was an awful lot, and I did not go to like a cheap college either. Um, which whatever, that was dumb. I mean, but
0: now it's fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. You're,
1: okay, luckily it wasn't that bad. It was like twenty-five to thirty a year. Yeah, which is still a lot of money. It like, is a lot of money. Yeah, um, but it, but yeah, but it's not 50, it's not fifty a year, um, especially for me. Like having ne- never really made money of any kind, like that kind of money was just, ooh, my God, I yeah. couldn't even I couldn't could fathom. Right. Um,
0: yeah. What made you decide to go to college?
1: I knew that I had no skills, honestly. Like right, so being the re- being being raised the way I was, I didn't have any experience skill. I couldn't just go get a job. You know, didn't make a reasonable amount of money just based off my like skills of, that, that I'd earned. Um, and I had no education, so I had to either get experience in the workforce or get an education. Mm-hmm. So I went the education route. Um, I mean, and it's worked out for me, not that it's for everybody, but um, it helped me out a lot and it gave me and and it honestly just taught me like taught me life skills that I did not have.
0: What was, um, what was it like going to your first math class
1: in college? Oh, I was so screwed. I was so screwed. Um, I just didn't know any, like, I I knew basic math, but nothing outside of that. And even that I taught myself. So, like, I just didn't have a grasp of anything being taught. So, like, college was really hard for me like I did I definitely earned that degree (laughs) like I I put the work in to make that happen um like all of it though but honestly like it was was like I learned quick no no matter what I'm doing but the social side did not come easy oh because I was just not I didn't I'd never been exposed to it so learning how to socialize was really hard at first Uh
0: uh-huh yeah um, did they have you take a placement test?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, and I had to I had to pass the uh, uh, the uh, you know the MACTs. Um, I had to get a good score on those. Really? Yeah. So I had to study, and I and I actually took that. I I earned that grade. Wow. Um, yeah, but like just so just like to be like like bluntly honest here, so I took it once. Not really knowing how dumb I was. Like honestly, like just I mean to be honest about it. Um, so it, the first time I, I took it, I got a 16, which is insanely low. Like, I got my name right. That's about it. And, um, and I was like, oh shit, I'm in bad shape. And
0: it's multiple choice, so. Oh, I was, yeah,
1: I'm, I it's was. It's about, you know. It's about as bad as it gets. It's about as bad as it gets, yeah. You can guess on every
0: question, right? And you
1: can get about a bad 16. Yeah, it was bad. Um, so then I went and studied a lot and I got yeah. tutors and oh. I was like, yeah, I was serious about it. Like I, I, I wanted to do well, and oh I didn't want to be dumb forever. So whatever I have to do to to learn myself up, let's go. And uh, so yeah, I mean, I got tutors, I got English tutors and math tutors, and went back to the ACT again and got got a pretty good score, and got my way into school that way. And nice. um, yeah, but it did not come easy. Like the whole, I mean, most just like so once again, most of the social side because like I can study, I can learn, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely there's just so much, like, common sense that I just don't know. Like pop culture sort of thing? <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, I mean, I don't know, like, but, you know, prior to the year 2000, I couldn't tell you really much of anything mm-hmm. about, like, pop culture or anything like that, because I just wasn't around it. Um, you know, in the 2000s, I started being, because, I mean, it would have been, I would have left home, you want if you want to say it that way, in 2005 like 2004, 2005. So that's kind of when I started, honestly, like learning about the world, (laughs) learning about, you know, life in general.
0: What was one of the uh, most surprising things that you learned?
1: Well, so honestly, I went to Vegas, right? Like right after, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the culture shock of, you know, not knowing that really existed. Like I knew that Vegas existed I knew that people gambled there. That's all I knew. So I remember that first time driving into Vegas, just going, "Oh my god, the debauchery, all these people are going to hell. They don't they don't even know because I was like <laughs> just so I was so brainwashed into that into that way of thinking because you know, when you ha- have something pounded in your head for, you know, your entire life, it's just what you believe." And going, that was su- such a shell shock for just for me personally. Like I was like, "What am I doing here?" Like, oh my God. And uh, I, I, I literally went there cause I knew one person that lived there that had moved there from where I was from. And I was like, well, at least I'll know somebody. So I just drove to Vegas and yeah, like that was it.
0: How did you find them?
1: Um, I, so I, this is like, you know, back in phone books. Um, I found people with their last name and started making calls like dead, like dead serious. Like, um, and that was like right about when like Facebook was starting to become a thing and everything. Um, so I, was, I ended up looking uh, him up through there, but, um, yeah. But, like, yeah, I was, like, trying everything to get a hold of him, because I was just alone. Uh,
0: Why didn't you go with the other boy?
1: Um, I actually don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he's at or anything. Um, yeah, he, we were both, like, I guess I, I kind of glanced over this, but he and I were both sent into a really, really intensive uh, conversion therapy program Uh, yeah and it was like pretty horrific and um i don't know like i i honestly believe he committed suicide um about that same time um Mm -hmm. that's what i just heard through a friend but i don't know the accuracy of that information um but yeah so like right after that like you know he went his way he blamed me for all of it um he's like you know you're the reason that I had to go to the conversion therapy. You're the reason I'm losing my family. It's like, well, hey, we kind of we're both involved in this. Um, right. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so he went his way, and I never heard from him again. Um, don't know where he's at now. Uh, but, yeah, I just t- took off, went my own way, and did my own thing. And uh, never looked back, honestly. That
0: sounds very terrifying.
1: It's a whole thing. I actually haven't been back since. I've not been back to Idaho since. Yeah. I almost did recently though I almost went back
0: Really? Yeah What would you What would you want to say?
1: Well so I was going to go back to Like like the whole family thing is whatever The community thing I have no desire to ever talk to those people or see those people again Um But the conversion therapy The conversion uh, therapy piece Is Just a huge trauma That I've been dealing with And working through As long as I can remember And uh Just through years and years of therapy Um I was finally like ready to deal with that more in the person, and um, I looked it up online, and it looks like it's been closed down for a lot of years now. But um, yeah. I just wanted to like go. I want want to you know go back and look at the building and co- you know cuss at the god of that fucking <laughs> sent me there, and uh, you know just I don't know, just kind of like deal with it more like in the flesh and more like in the present. Um, yeah, so I ended up uh, not going. Um, so that was like three days after I witnessed a really severe accident, a climbing accident, and just couldn't quite mentally deal with the two traumas at the same time. Um, so I decided, I, I decided to focus on the first, or on the on the climbing trauma in the moment, and not deal with the conversion therapy just yet. So I still need to go to go deal with that.
0: It's good that they shut it down, though. Like, oh my god. Yeah, gosh.
1: but it's still. I mean, if you think about it, though, there's only a couple states in the country it's illegal. Still to, to, to this day. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: That's surprising. I heard Utah banned.
1: Utah was one of the first. Yeah. Band, which is pretty crazy. They use it as like a talking point all the time. Yeah. But it's like, all right, all right, guys, like, you, you, you know, okay, you did one thing right. I am stoked for that. Yeah. But you have so much work to do. <laughs> like, really? So many other things you guys need to work on. Oh
0: my gosh. I mean, I would, I feel like Vegas would be the most intense place to go. Like, from 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 like parents. nothing
1: to everything yeah yeah like in a heartbeat like, like vegas
0: is too intense for me sometimes
1: yeah for sure and like yeah it's definitely like a huge jump to go from you know little mormon sect to, to vegas like it's like oh my god um but honestly like it, i've always been open-minded even when i was close-minded if, if that makes sense like because yeah. I, I, I was raised to be so close-minded and not give anyone the benefit of the doubt, and just you know, you're everything's heaven or hell. There's nothing in between, and um, and uh, yeah. So like, but so like, it didn't take me too long to unlearn a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely just that first day. I, I vividly remember driving into Vegas on I-15, and like right when you get in in, in the north, uh, you know, north, on, on, north Las Vegas, it's just billboard after billboard of these you know scantily look, you know. You know, you know a scantily dressed people and uh, <laughs> people drinking and gambling and blah, blah, blah on, on all the signs. And I was like, I'm not going to make it here. And I was like, you know, all, the people, all these folks are going to hell and I need to not be here. But I was like, well, just give it a chance. I'll give it a week or two, you know, because I was, I mean, who cares? I'm living in my car. It doesn't matter. I can go wherever. Um, I, yeah, I ended up staying there for for, uh, for a year that, that time. And after college, I went back there for almost five years.
0: Whoa. Yeah. So, did you ever experiment with drugs and alcohol when you were 16?
1: No. And I still really haven't, honestly. Like, I did shrooms once. I hated that. Um, that was not good for my mental state.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. I've been told since you have to be in, in, in a good headspace to get into that. Yeah. I never did. Um, they maybe have like,
0: professional guides.
1: And- for, like, yeah. for like, <laughs> like, honestly, I believe it. Because, like, so I, I haven't done it since. I've, like, been, like, interested in doing it again just to, like... See if there was like a better experience to be had, cause mine was so bad. Oh my like gosh. I thought my house was on fire. I was tripping, badly. It was not good for me. Oh
0: my god. Um,
1: and like I, I've done weed, but that's about the extent of my of my craziness. Um, I just don't, I've never really. But even now I'm just not really super into in, 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 into drinking and stuff. Mostly just because like one th- like even though like like so my like my, my, my mom was an alcoholic, my uncle was an alcoholic. Um, even in that little community. So just not wanting to follow those, follow that footstep.
0: That's shocking to me because of Utah's alcohol restrictions. Well,
1: and so I was in Idaho, remember, um, which is actually more, like, percentage-wise Mormon than Utah is. Um, Interesting. I know, I tell you what, uh, my hometown was at 99.8% Mormon. Not exaggerating. Like that's like the a, the actual like consensus or the actual uh, census like number is on, yeah. yeah, is a 99.8.
0: I thought Mormons weren't allowed to drink alcohol. They're
1: not supposed to. Um, yeah. And so my uncle made like essentially moonshine, made moonshine and my uh, mom and okay. my uncle were both raging alcoholics. Um, so it just, I, I never wanted like following their footsteps um, mm-hmm. of Of abusing that, not to say I would, but I just don't want to either. So, um, I I just I'm really I'm really cautious about drinking and drugs in general. I try to treat my body generally well, ice cream excluded.
0: And um, if you were here in the flesh with our guest, you could tell.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I I love ice cream. But that's, that's kind of my kind of my place. <laughs> like, ice cream and sorbet, especially, like, the last, like, month. I've eaten so many raspberry sorbetos. Like, <laughs>
0: processed sugar, oh, my. I tell
1: you what, I've been going hard on them, too. Um, yeah, it was so funny. Like, I recently had a surgery, and on the first day, like, after I got home from the hospital, um, I had, had a knock on the door, and I went and opened it, and someone had door dashed me eight eight of those Talenti raspberry sorbets, and I was like, they get me. Um,
0: oh my gosh. It,
1: the, it did hit the spot. They are all gone.
0: Oh, that sounds And that's delicious. only been like a week
1: and a half ago, so. <laughs> cool.
0: Oh, so one thing that you mentioned earlier I thought would be cool to include on the podcast, um, so you you got a music degree,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and can you tell our guests or our listeners about what you did with that degree? Yeah, mm-hmm. so like,
1: well, I still use, so, so it's a business degree the emphasis of music, but, um, mm-hmm. but I've been a songwriter as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote a lot of music as a, as a ghostwriter for emo bands. Um, so a lot of like the big named emo bands in like the to late 2000s, um, I wrote music for. I absolutely adore it. I still write music constantly. I still play, I play music all the time. Um, that's one thing I guess I can thank my family for is they were all musical, um, so, you know, I, I learned violin at a very young age. I I was trained in classical violin. Um, I, I, I still play to this day. It's been, you know, almost 30 years. I've been play, playing violin. I've been play, playing, playing a guitar for over 20. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like, that's the one thing that they blessed me with. But, um, yeah, so I just... It was just songwriting mostly. Um, when I was working in the music field, um, I did like booking and promotion work um, in Vegas. That's why I went back to Vegas originally after school, was to work in booking and promotion um, for like the hotels on the strip. And I loved it. It was super fun. It's just not consistent enough of an income to like take care of a family. You know, I was, I, I was I had like just gotten married at the time and uh, couldn't uh, financially feasibly make it maybe not getting paid this month, maybe getting paid this month sort of thing.
0: Oh, right, So, you
1: know, I still get royalties from the music, from the selling of the music, which is, you know, cool.
0: You still get them? I still get them. Wow. My
1: royalties are fantastic. Um, Definitely, it's definitely, you know, weird now in the age of Spotify and all that, but... um, It's, yeah, it's cool. Um, I loved the industry. I still write music. I just don't sell it the way I used to, but I, I love it. And I still love, I still love emo music. I'm still like the emoist bitch around. Um, oh my
0: gosh, I am so stoked for emo climbing night. Emo climbing night, Monday.
1: <laughs> to anyone out there that knows us, you better be there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you think I got this podcast edited in that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have like five days to get this out. We have five right.
0: days in a three-day climbing trip.
1: <laughs> Do not let us down. Um, <laughs> We got, we got we got routes to do covered in black makeup. Ooh. Um I tell you what. Scene scene kids are where it's at.
0: Oh, I am so excited when we get off this podcast to like, you know, get the actual songs that you wrote.
1: I never told you. I just assume no, I told you.
0: No, I'm so yeah. excited. I love Early two thousand emo music. Yeah, like I mid early two thousand. I probably know all are... of them, and Good I probably chance. know all the lyrics that you wrote. Good like... chance. <laughs> and then it's actually
1: kind of funny because like um, when you like hear it and you know my backstory a little bit, like like the songs make more sense. You're like, oh shit, that's <laughs> why. It was worded that way. Oh, fuck. That's kind of fucked up. Like, it's a lot of that.
0: I, I really wish we could say names on this yeah. podcast.
1: Well, it's just kind of funny, too, because, like, I did write for a lot of religious bands because a lot of those emo bands were, were, were like, Christian artists, oh. um, which is kind of weird. Like, even, like, the big name ones. Um, and I wrote songs about, like, being gay and hiding that in a closet and then sold it to a Christian band. And they had no idea what it was about. And I just ah. never told them, um, so they're out there, they're out there like singing about you know, about like hiding being gay, and they have no idea. Um, so that's you know my little jab back at religion, I guess. <laughs> my little way of like, haha. Um, that is hilarious, actually, though. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's it's the, it's the little things, you know, so the get through the day.
0: Did you write just the lyrics?
1: Depends on on the song, um, cause it's all so varied. Like I, cause I I actually worked for the record labels. And I would write music, I'd write lyrics, I'd write whatever, um, they'd come, you know, they'd come to me with lyrics and say, hey, can you do anything with this? I'm like, yeah, I'll try. You know, if I couldn't, someone else would. Or I'd go to them with, with the song, I'd go to the, to the the record label with the song, like here, I have this song, it's, you know, it's pretty good if you're interested. And they'd pitch it to other artists, go from there. Or I could pitch it dr- directly to the artists, the ones I had a good relationship with, um, yeah, so that's, it was fun. It was definitely a fun time, and I still like have a lot of those contacts, which are kind of fun. So I still get to like go back and chat with like everyone's favorite, you know, everyone's favorite emo bands from like the mid mid two thousands. You get to get just call them up and check in. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's just fun. It's a fun field to be in, but it's just not financially feasible.
0: So I'm here thinking about, you know, what our listeners can sort of take away from what they learned about your life. Um, other than just like you know I knew you were cool but like you definitely <laughs> exceeded my expectations of how cool a person uh, could be I tell be. you
1: what, it's hard being this cool all the time <laughs> I know right
0: but, I, <laughs> I mean, feel so cool <laughs> just with the amount that you've accomplished and the amount of adversity that you've overcome I feel like our listeners will be able to take that and you know find their own strength to overcome obstacles in their own lives
1: oh for sure and just standing up for, for you know standing up for people around you um because I'm like a big adversity like so full disclosure i'm transgender and um so like you know this coming up saturdays uh you know i'm sure it'll come out after that but um the end of November here, uh, November twentieth, is uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance, and in this last year, uh, four hundred sixty-one trans individuals have been murdered. Um, I mean, uh, world worldwide, um, mostly in Brazil, there's like forty-six. I think I, I believe that were in the U.S. Um, wow. Um, but it's a pretty staggering number, and mm-hmm. um, you know, the average age of death for a trans woman is 35. Uh, One in 10 trans women are murdered. One in six trans women of color are murdered. It's pretty astronomical. And, you know, we need allies. (laughs) So, um, you know, people out there, like, if you hear people saying transphobic shit, like, tell them to fuck off, you know? Like, stand up for people,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: stand up for for what's right out there and the queer community in general, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's been on my mind a lot today, specifically.
0: You know, given those statistics, I think that LGBT should be rearranged, okay? <laughs>
1: uh, it's, just definitely, it's definitely the most, it's, current, it's currently the most, because it's, it's one of the smallest communities in the country. It's like such a minute mm-hmm. group of people that I belong to, but it's such a a persecuted group as well. Um, right. Yeah. Just by just 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 like just like us statistically and, and numerically, um, yeah. I don't know. I just been on my mind a lot today. Like I have a huge Instagram following, which is like dumb to say, but um, <laughs> but like I, I get I got doxxed a while back, which I just learned what that meant. I'm old, all right. I don't know what um, that means. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So essentially you this like conservative website. Put out all my information. They put my the information to my like know my Instagram, my, my, my phone number, like they didn't give give out my um, address which they normally do, but they put out like my email address, all 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 that stuff. So yeah. so people had all my direct communication, and they were just blowing me up with horrifically transphobic messages and oh, hate-filled messages. Um, but I got thousands over the course of about two months. This was about I don't know, this is, this is like this is like this is like six months ago. Um, so over the course of like two months I got thousands of these hate-filled messages. Ugh. And and now I still get like 20 a week. Consistently 20 a week. Which I, I actually, I don't even mind. I respond to them. I try to like, I try to like, yeah, because like, you know, the only reason they're acting out this way is, cause is I mean, I'm assuming, is because they don't know a trans person, right? So if I can open some sort of dialogue and like be like, hey, why are you acting out this way? like? I've done nothing to you. I'm not harming you in any way. I'm not harming anybody. Um, what, like, how, like, you know, so I've been such a dick, essentially. <laughs> essentially. Um, but today, like, it just hit me kind of hard because I got a bunch this morning. I got, like, I don't know, like 12 this morning or something. And one in particular just kind of hit me, like, right in the chest. And I was like, that was so cruel. And, Ooh. um, so I responded to him the same way I always do. And I said, why, you know, why do you feel the need to post this? And why do you feel the need, you know, or, or, or you know, or to send it to me? And like, what, like, what gives you the right to even give a crap in the first place? But I just started thinking about like, obviously these people have not had friends that called them out and haven't had like a community around them that said like, knock your shit off. Because otherwise I would just hope, hope you know, I hope they wouldn't do it. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, you know, what, one in 10 is staggering. One in six is truly shocking, and it's just it, it can't go on. It has to stop. So like, it
0: does, yeah. Yeah.
1: So like, I don't know. I I've been thinking all day long. I've been thinking about this. Sorry, like to like just like go off off on this tangent. But like all day long, it's been you know it's been I'm, I'm driving me nuts since that message this morning. Cause, you know, as just as as a community, as just people in general, like if someone's saying stupid shit. Like tell them they're saying stupid shit. Call them out. Say stop that. Like, cause it it means a lot more coming from your sister or your friend than coming from some random trans chick on the internet. Um, and I think that's like my, that's my call to action for your podcast is right. tell people around you to stop being a dick. Um, <laughs> I think that'd be beneficial for the whole world and and on in on in like you know in every topic. Not just yeah. trans-related. If if they're being a dick, just tell them stop being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason for that.
0: Just <laughs> inclusive and in, in all aspects. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, the thing is, like, and, and and that's why I respond the way I do to these messages. Because I can, you know, get mad and start throwing a screaming fit. But mm-hmm. first off, it's gonna it's gonna accomplish literally nothing except pissing me off and you you know and utilizing my energy. Yeah. To respond to these people. It's, it's actually probably more infuriating to them if I'm just, you know, really kind and nice and like, yeah. hey, so where'd you get, like, where'd you get these thoughts? Like these <laughs> crazy off the wall theories are just nuts. Sometimes some of the things I've heard are, and, and had thrown at me are just absolutely insane.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Like I'll, I'll show you some after I'm <laughs> oh the podcast. So just, just like, even the one just today was like, oh my God, like, what? And they always want to condemn you to hell. I don't know. That's the whole thing is it's like, you know what? Like I'm already going, that's fine. Like
0: you say you'll know, do your thing. Well, we we can work our way up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> conveniently raise Mormon, it's okay. Um I have a chance still. Um
0: No, that's that's not right.
1: <laughs> At the same I mean. time though. Kind of. Um, it's like, you know, I'll be okay. You, you you should be worried, but I'll be okay. Um I don't know. It's just it's so frustrating and just this week in particular being, you know, Trans Week of Remembrance and like it's kind of our time to mourn and, and remember having, like, you know, losing su- such a huge part of our community. Um, and, th- and those are ju- just the ones that were through crime. Like, you can, you can actually go online and like read through it. It's, it's horrific. Um, hmm. You know, it's like so-and-so beheaded. So-and-so oh shot in the chest. So- so-and-so burned to death it's like, oh my God. And those were not in the U.S. Those were all like, I mean, but what difference does it make? Like all the ones in the U.S. are shot, you know? It's like so-and-so shot in the chest. So-and-so murdered at a bar. And it's like, why is that necessary in any way?
0: So a theme in this podcast (laughs) is diversity and inclusion. And not Mm -hmm. just for our guests, but yeah, inspiring the world around us to also adopt a more respectful and um, caring outlook on all people, mm. as well as the actual earth that we live in. And, you know, stop me if I... No, go for it. You know, uh, as as a spiritual person, I'm just wondering, like, what is your personal perspective on being transgender? and like, what's your understanding
1: and, and definition? Well, I mean, the you know, the definition of it is I was assigned a male at birth, um, born with male genitalia. That's like, you know, the identifier as a baby. Um, mm-hmm. And have been transitioning to living life as a female for many years. And, um, yeah, um, something that's kind of the, I mean... Transgender just the actual like you know definition is just anyone that does not identify with how they were born so you now that it kind of in- 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 Includes the whole like non-binary spectrum where people don't really feel like they're male or female They just kind of float boot in whatever they want to do um, Which is rad and like I guess my, 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 my You know my whole thing is like this is something I've, I've known about myself for the majority of my life. Like I remember having my, th- my you know having my first thought that I was you know in the wrong body when I was six. Like I I, I vividly remember that thought. And I've known that my whole life. So to say it's like a fad which like, I I I get a lot in these messages. Like well it's just a it's just a phase and it's like no, like I may have just decided to transition in the last, you know, two, three years. But this has been something that's been a part of me for almost thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, that I've known, that they you know, that I've had those, had those uh, cognitive thoughts about it. Um, like I don't. It's just. It's just who you are. It's how you're born, and and it, and it doesn't hurt anybody. I guess that, that that that's my biggest annoyance about about any, like. If you're religious and you're not actually hurting people, do your thing. I'm stoked for you. Uh, I want I want you to you know do what's best for you and do what makes you feel happy and do what makes you feel whole and you know and like centered in the world like whatever you need. That's awesome. But as soon as you start hurting someone, then it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm not hurting anybody by being transgender. Um, so don't hurt me either. <laughs>
0: so what I'm really excited about, and what I think the world can learn from, you know, transgenders, is you know a statement that you used earlier where you said "I" and the body. And I think what's important is to kind of bring people to the realization that who you are is non-physical. Correct. And um, although we all share carbon in common yeah. with the planet, yeah, um, who we are innately is a loving being.
1: Yeah. Well, because that's like saying like, so yes, I've been in transition for three years. But I've been trans my whole life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've been a transgender individual as since my first breath. But I've just only been in transition for X amount of years. That doesn't—that didn't make you know—that didn't make me any less transgender than 25 years ago or 30 years ago. Right. Um, I just wasn't outward about it at the time, or you know, or and, there, and you know, and, and and there's people that never will, and that's totally fine. And mm-hmm. there's I, I know people that are transgender and will never transition. They just don't want to, and that's fine. You don't you don't have to. Um. You know, your outward expression is whatever it is, but who you are is just who you are.
0: Exactly, so every person has our physical being and our minds and our spirits. And that energy can go anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) And I... I'm not sure if you know I'm a believer in reincarnation or anything like that, but what's interesting is that you know the physical realm is not the same as the entire universe that we live in, and uh, I've been thinking about you know the the psyche of humanity, yeah, for sure, you know things that happen in a different part of the world that affects everything mm-hmm. because you know, we're all connected
1: for sure. Like even if you look at like, you know, the largest organisms on earth is, you know, a forest of mushrooms in Oregon and an Aspen Grove in Wyoming. Um, Cause that one tree you see, it's all you see, but there's actually, you know, a million trees connected underground. And I know that, you know, I'm. Um, my therapist talks about that a lot, she's a very spiritual person, and she always talks about, you know, yeah we're not like physically connected, but we're all connected. And just that, that psyche and that, you know, transfer of energy in one way or the other. And I do believe, in, you know, that there's energy out there that we all, I mean, give off to each other. Like, you know, even just, you know, to make it, like, you know, in the in easiest the example, if I'm having a bad day. And you're having a good day, and I come, and I come, and I uh, command and I'm just being absolutely over the top negative. It's gonna, it's gonna, you know, you know, wear off on you as well. Yeah. And even that, like, transfer of spirit, or transfer of energy, you know, it, it does exist to some extent. I like, I don't know. It's probably about as woo-woo as I believe personally. <laughs> I'm very much just like fully scientifical, and like, if you can prove it to me in science, I'm about it. Otherwise, I'm just like want nothing to do with it. And that's probably because of my upbringing. And, like, um, you know, being told that that everything has to be on faith when there's just no proof or evidence for any of it.
0: Right. I mean, um, spirituality is impossible to measure. Yeah. But it's something that, you know, some of us can feel. And I'm not saying people are mind readers. Yeah. But I think we could be. <laughs> well,
1: my spouse would love that. Yeah. Uh, my spouse <laughs> is probably the most, like, Like, she wants to be in everyone's business, and I love it. Um, Which is good for me, because I love, like, hearing everything that's going on. Right. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she could read mine, it would, yeah, blow her mind. She'd be so so stoked.
0: Like, if I have a negative thought, Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I can't hide Mm -hmm. it. Like, I wear my heart on my sleeve, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I have a negative thought, people can see it in my body language. But if I somehow master the ability to not demonstrate my body language which is very convenient in the post-COVID era. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that people can generally get a sense of who you are and how you feel just from what you're thinking. Yeah,
1: I I can see that because, well, especially with those of us that like outwardly show so much because I'm the same way. Like I can't hide my feelings. I've never been able to. you know, so I'm, I'm a generally, a gen, generally, that's what I was thinking of, <laughs> generally very, like, giddy, stoked person, um, just kind of always excited to be around and be, yeah, but, um yeah, but, like, when my mind, you know, does a somersault or whatever, and all of a sudden, like, it just, like, yeah, it crashes, and I know I'm wearing off on people. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely exists, for sure.
0: I'm just learning that other people aren't like that.
1: What, that, that they don't just, like, externally show everything?
0: Yes, and I get shocked.
1: Yeah. When, you know, I, I don't know how to, like, react to those people because I'm like, I, I, I don't know what you're feeling right now and I, I feel yeah. weird about it.
0: Yeah. It is weird because I'm like, you were so nice. Yeah. But then you weren't. And I don't know why.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, it's definitely more, it's definitely, you know, easier to, like, read people when they're just open and honest and like, you know, kind of in your face a bit.
0: Right. But I think that, you know, some people who might not be as kind, Mm. have learned to recognize that about themselves and have developed skills in hiding who they are.
1: To act kind until they're not.
0: Yes, exactly. And it takes a while Mm -hmm. to actually like see through their persona Mm. and Mm. Instagram in my experience, you know, you can choose what you want to display to the world. You can curate
1: your life. You can show people only what you want to see. Exactly. Um, And I think that's probably why I have such a large following on there is because I don't live that way. Um, If I, like, I, you know, I have, like, it shouldn't be surprising, based off everything we've talked about, that I'm a depressive nightmare. Like, like... (laughs) Just PTSD, depression, anxiety run rampant in my mind. And I'm very open about that. And...
0: I'm surprised because... No, really? Yes, you seem so strong and well put together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is years of therapy um, (laughs) that has put this together. But, um, (laughs) no, I'm absolutely a mess. Um, But just being open about that too, it's been helpful. Like, I know that, like, you know, I mean, just... God, it was four years ago when I attempted suicide. Oh. And, you know, just being open about that. I mean, open about, like, these are the struggles I'm dealing with. These are the, you know, when this is what I'm going through. And then having people, re- you know, reach back out and say, whoa, I'm having these same thoughts. I didn't realize it. You know, this, this is, like, normal. Like, yeah. I think just being honest with people about ourselves and not, like, curating everything so beautifully, you know? Yeah. Like you don't have to be an Instagram model. Like just be yourself and just be open and honest. Um, I think it can be, I think it helps a lot, helps more people than we think. Um, you know, I know, I just know that like, especially like with the mental health stuff. Like I'm very open about it. I'm very kind of obnoxious about it because I don't, I don't let people like forget that like people are hurting all over and like, you know, treat people with respect and kindness because you don't know what they're dealing with. Um, Cause you know, I, 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 I probably seemed well put together when mm-hmm. I was going out to kill myself. You, you know what I mean? Like, oh. like it's easy to hide. It's easy to hide those things for me for whatever reason. That like pit, you know. Um, so I have to force myself for, to force myself now to be open about it. Um, which is why like over oh, these last two months, like I you know I mentioned that horrific accident I witnessed, and being able to be open about the the mental trauma of that being open about the suicidal thoughts that came um, from you know having someone die on my arms and having to like mentally wrap my mind around that fact and you know when the, when the when the depression took over and the suicidal ideation took over, being able to reach out to friends and say this is what I'm dealing with I need help and I need it now yeah, and people being there because they knew what you needed, I think that's mm-hmm. super beneficial.
2: Right.
1: Sorry, another big tangent, but like I'm it's just a, definitely, um, you know, I, it's just people hide things that are considered taboo or considered, you know, unspeakable or something. I don't, I don't know what it is, but like we're taught to be shamed, to be you know, to be ashamed of having mental health issues. When it's like, when you tell your story, it's like, yeah, you probably should have some mental health issues. Like, just go get that help, you know, go, go, go get the help, go get the help, help the, you know, the, the, help, the help you need. And if you have friends that are truly your friends, like, they'll be there for you. And I know that, you know, you know our little group in, in, in particular, like, I, I, I reached out hard and said, this is what I need, and I need it fast. Like, I reached out to the other person that helped get their group going, you know and just said like i am suicidal to a hellish extent i need help like right away um so can we like meet up to you know meet up in like half hour and just like walk or something because I, all i want to do is kill myself and i got to get this under control and just having people that are willing to step in and be like yep i'm there let's do something like you know or whatever it may be like like hey i need someone to drive me to therapy cuz i'm in no i'm in no place to like drive right now and yeah. p- people stepping in for that and helping me out with that, like over these last two months, um, you know, asking you shall receive, I suppose. Like, right, you you, ha- you have to ask first. Um, you have to make known what the issues are. So hiding them just doesn't do any good. It
0: takes a lot of strength to show and admit to your weakness. Oh, for sure. And that strength, mm. you know, builds and builds. and. Mm. You know, something I've learned is that a a lot of the pain that we feel is like the pain when you're working out Mm -hmm. and when you're climbing, and it's just building muscle.
1: Yeah, it's making you stronger.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I think a lot of our listeners here, you know, can find their own strength and however they might relate to your story, Mm -hmm. whether you've been in a cult (laughs) or.
1: If so, please reach out and tell some stories, man.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I love some good cold stories.
0: Whatever struggles that you have, you know, here we have this amazing person who's, you know, demonstrating how, you know, they built their strength and um, some of the, you know, challenges that they've been able to get through and whatever challenges you're facing, you know, you can get through it. Oh, definitely. And the reward after—I mm-hmm. mean, it's—it's got to be like being on top of the on top of the mountain.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, and definitely like you know when you're dealing with—I mean, I you know I'm, I can only speak to you know to very specific things, but when you're dealing with you know depression, anxiety, whatever, like it feels like it, like it's never going to get better, mm-hmm. and it will, but you have to fight for it,
2: mm-hmm. and.
1: Realizing you have to fight for it is hard. Um, Yeah. But you know, like up until that first uh, suicide attempt, I had never even thought to get help. Like I knew what I was dealing with, I knew what my issues were, but I never even thought how to go about it. So, you know, two friends saved my life that day, truly saved my life that day. Um, I went out and I was soloing. Some of the hardest routes I've ever done, and just hoping I'd eventually fall. And you know, two friends saw me, and they literally grabbed me and threw me in a car and said, "Okay, we're leaving now," and drove me, um, drove me to my house and said, "Hey, we're talking to your, you know, you know, we're talking to your spouse right now. We need to get this addressed." And they essentially said, "You're getting help," and that push was exactly what I needed because I didn't even think to do that like I didn't even think I didn't even know what I needed um and that sent me down a really good path um because of some tough love you know um yeah but like and you know definitely like admitting it is the hardest thing right admitting that you're struggling need help is hard it's like as humans we're just like generally like egotistical and think we're above that like and I get it like I did too and, or you know, or we think, you know, you know I, I, I can do it on my own, but like and then you get a therapist that's just like unbiased and you can just like vent to yeah. and like unload all your shit onto and they're like, Oh yeah, we deal with all the time. You're like, oh sweet. That's perfect. <laughs> like this so, so all I have to do is give you some money and you just like tell me how to fix my shit. That's that's a good day. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, I'm all about it. Um, but definitely like I just can't recommend like getting help enough. Like, I'm personally on medication, I will forever be on medication and I'm okay with it like mm-hmm. I know I need it to keep me stable and to keep me focused and, mo- and and moving forward in a healthy way and I'm okay with it like
0: it's really a luxury oh for sure to, to be able to have you know, the medications in this that are available to us that aren't available to everyone all over the world Mm -hmm. and you know I haven't done as much international traveling as I would like but um, I always talk to people who have and try and learn from what they've experienced and it's just given me more gratitude for where we live and you know what we have access to Mm -hmm. and know that gratitude is something that, you know, we can take with us all over. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and also maybe work on helping other people have access to the things that we Mm. do, especially the people who need it. And for the record, you would be an excellent protagonist in a climbing film.
1: (laughs) A protagonist? Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) Let's go.
0: Um, I think definitely more deserving of uh, the main role compared to some other
1: famous climbers. Some other famous climbers that are actually giant douchebags.
0: Yeah, that, you know, have all this fame and...
1: All this money and fame, and they're just douchebags. I
0: know. I mean, I can be a
1: douchebag too, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Some of of these, I tell you what. (laughs) Oh,
0: Elitist.
1: Elitist? I tell you what. <laughs> I remember, I just like to speak to that el- elitist piece, and this is going way back, you know, <laughs> earlier <laughs> into the into the conversation, but um, I remember there was this one guy um, that used to climb around a lot, and he was like the strong guy in the group, you know? And he would not climb with me. He refused, he refused to. <laughs> At the time, I was probably climbing, you know, 5'11 or 5'12 or whatever, and he was like, you know, he was doing like 5'13 plus and 5'14A. and he uh, called, or or, uh, when I sent my first 513, he called me the next day and goes, hey, wanna go climbing? I'm like, no. Like, you wouldn't climb with me a week ago because I hadn't done this achievement yet? That's so elitist. Like, no, I don't need you in my life, man. What a, what a douchebag.
0: Right? Like, oh,
1: man, I tell you what.
0: Do I have to start ice climbing to get some respect around here?
1: I, I hope not because I refuse to do it. Like, all my friends ice climb and I just refuse. I don't want to be that cold.
0: I started, you know, I thought about it, and then I was like, wait, wait, so climbing up ice with knives? I mean, yeah, that's badass, but... Will I, as an individual, enjoy the amount of stress involved, and also the possibility that I might lose coordination and hit the rope with an axe? Isn't
1: that fantastic? To just think about that the whole time.
0: Like, no, uh... no thank you. <laughs> yeah, I that's mean, my thought too. Maybe one day, but mm. like, mm. you know, I don't think I have to do that. <laughs> like, it's
1: just the idea of being that cold does not sound fun to me. Like, yeah. do you want to be absolutely soaking wet? Like, yeah. drenched it to your core in, like, you know, sub freezing temperatures. I, I'll be on the couch. Um, I mean, and you can call me a fair weather climber, that's fine. I'll climb whatever <laughs> in the 50 degree weather. Like, let's go. Um, yeah, I just have no desire to touch ice, I never have.
0: I really love yoga, you know, and I I'm trying to find this balance between doing. You know, really hardcore physical things, Oof. and then also restoring your body. And I've met so many really badass, amazing, mm-hmm. strong individuals mm-hmm. who go and go and go and get injured.
2: Because
0: mm-hmm. they don't ever stop. Yeah, And, you know, for, for me, I feel like on my last lead fall, I might have, like, my calf. Didn't feel right for like two weeks. Yeah, and I was like, you know, maybe now's not the time to do a 14-er.
1: Probably not. As, <laughs> uh, that's called self-care. Um, yeah, like, stay home every once in a while. I was okay. I've,
0: I've been toying with the idea of yes, I can,
1: but I probably like, shouldn't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's true though. I've actually never done yoga ever, not really? once ever. Yeah. Oh. I should. I've always wanted to. I just never have. Yeah. So, you know, teach me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Show gonna, me some yoga. We're gonna do it, yeah. <laughs> I still have a full body, a full body workout. Yeah. I I, I can go back to work because of the surgery. I, I can't go back to work for another like 30 days. Wow. For 35 days. So I have time. So, let's do yeah. some yoga. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I can start climbing again next week, though. Did I I, I say that already? I might have. You can. I can't. But but I should. I (laughs) I should (laughs) indeed. I'm so bored. Like having just, just like going and going my whole life, and all of a sudden just like dead stop. I'm like, oh god, what do I do now? I'm not used to just sitting around.
0: See, I'm very fortunate that I will not reveal your identity in this podcast, because I personally want you to be catching me. All the time when I fall.
1: Because I'll be honest, like as much as we're talking about like climbing achievement, my ballet skills are on point. So
0: good. It's
1: like falling so into a cloud every time.
0: I don't it's, want anyone to know who you are. Because that's fair. They're gonna want you to catch them. And
1: I mean, when I plot the <laughs> pelican case with the gold grigri, they'll know. But <laughs> I mean, it matters. I tell you what. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, we're all so grateful for your time here on the podcast, and. Thank you so much and your assistance in getting the truth out there.
1: Oh, you betcha. (laughs) Have a good day.
0: Bye.
1: Bye, guys.